Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to read uh, verses 15 down through, I'm going to read through 21, I believe, is what I have there. And our focus today will be primarily verse 19, as we've been talking about singing today, and, and so many of our songs were uh, aimed at praise and singing and worshiping the Lord and with song. So let's read Ephesians five, fifteen through 21. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, just even now as we come to your word, just pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. Help us to learn from your word. And Lord, what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, and who we are not make us. For Christ's name and in his sake we pray. Amen. Uh, I just want to quickly go through this. I, we went through the book of Ephesians. I went through my notes and looked back. It was, uh, it was over nine years ago. And uh, I find that amazing time time really moves along and 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 within and I kind of looked and within this particular passage of scripture I think we preached about eight different sermons as we were breaking this all down going through it but I I just want to very quickly because our aim today is verse 19 but it says see then that you walk circumspectly the ESV would said look says uh look carefully then how you walk how you live in other words, walk according to the Spirit. Walk seeking the Lord and His will. Not as fools, but as wise. Who is the fool? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So, so the fool is the unredeemed. The fool is the unbeliever. And what's, what's Paul saying? Don't walk, don't live your life as those of the world, as the unbelievers, but live your life and let your walk be as unto a believer, a child of God, one who has been redeemed. And verse 16 said, redeeming the time, uh, making the best use of the time, making the most of each moment. Why? Why? Because the days are evil. Satan's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, well, how do we do that? How do we understand the will of the Lord? Well, we pray. We read His Word. We, we look to Him. Uh, we, we find out what the will of the Lord is by not conforming to the world, but rather by being transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may discern what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, don't be controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit. Don't get into wine or 
drunkenness. Uh, it's drunkenness is the is the prohibition, isn't it? It's drunkenness. Don't get into that or into anything that would alter your state of mind, but rather be controlled by the Holy Spirit, and then uh, that we may let the peace of God rule in our hearts. And and when we believe uh, these verses, uh, I believe then the verses nineteen and twenty come into effect. So let's uh, nineteen and twenty. 21, there we go. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I believe we will, we will have a song. We'll have a song in our heart. And there are several things that I want us to look at even in the midst of this. <clears throat> Who will this song be directed to? Now, you may jump ahead here, but what's it say? Speaking to one another. To one another. Who's, who's the song directed to? Well, it's, 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 it's to one another. And I believe that perhaps this is the most clear uh, command for corporate worship that might be found in the New Testament. Because you can't do this in solitude. You can't speak to someone if you're just by yourself. You, you have to be with at least one other person. Uh, look at Romans 15, verse 5 and 6. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You, our singing, our praises to be in a unity of believers. Uh, joined together with one mind, the mind of Christ, and one voice glorifying God. So giving praise, adoration, worship to Him. This could be in a small, very small gathering, or it could be in a, in a large group. And what will be the benefit as we do this? What will be the benefit? Now here's what I want to do. I want to jump over to a parallel passage in Colossians, the third chapter. It's a parallel passage to what's in Ephesians in Colossians 3, we're just going to take verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And here it is again. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, so so what, what, what will happen in the midst of this? That there will be teaching and admonishing taking place, even in our singing. Admonishing, exhortation, warning, giving instruction. Well, yeah, our singing does that? Well, if we're singing the right songs, yes, it will. Do you see how important it is that we sing good songs? Good songs. Our singing must be doctrinally sound and thoroughly in agreement with the Word of God. And it should be God-honoring to such a degree that those who would hear the lyric of our singing would be taught and admonished by the Spirit of God. That's what I want, even in the midst of our singing time. Because it's all worship. We worship in preaching. We worship in singing. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. See, our, our children should be learning the truths of God's Word, even from the lyrics of the song we sing. We agree with that? I hope we do. Uh, and, and, and to sing... Songs to Him. Uh, that verse, Psalms 89, 
one. Okay, can we sing this one? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. And with my mouth will I make known your faithfulness, your faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. You say singing psalms to the Lord, singing. And the young and the old alike, may we be admonished, may we know of the Lord in the truth that we sing. Uh, our singing would be directed to the Lord and to Him. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, to sing to Him. You know, we're to sing, and it is an admonishing and a teaching to one another, but it says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, Our, to be heart-driven and God-centered and God-directed. And I know in the midst of any time I, I, I talk about singing, there'll be someone perhaps who is thinking, and I've had people tell me, but I can't sing. I can't sing. I can't carry a key. Well, it, that doesn't matter, does it? Where does singing come from? It comes from the heart. In, in Psalms 98, verse 4, from the King James Version, now make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. You see, true worship doesn't spring forth from the mouth. It springs forth from where? From the heart. From the heart. A person may have a beautiful voice, but I have a heart to the Lord. And let me tell you, especially years ago, growing up and being a part of Southern Gospel and being around all kinds of different groups, I can tell you right now, at least back then, there was a lot of them that shouldn't have been up there. A lot of them that shouldn't have been up there singing unto the Lord because they were not living what they were singing. And I know that firsthand. Because a person can have that beautiful voice and have perfect pitch, but if their heart is not right before the Lord, there is no worship. There can't be. There can't be. Their singing is nothing more than an empty performance. Uh, see, for our, our singing to be acceptable to the Lord, it must come from a pure heart and from a broken and contrite spirit. Uh, it, if you want to look at Amos, the fifth chapter, I want to read just a couple verses. Uh, uh, th this is... Where Amos delivered a word of judgment to Israel uh, because their hearts had hardened against the word of the Lord and they had fallen away from His truths. and But they would still gather together and they would still sing and have church. But was God pleased? No. No. Amos 5, verse 23-24. Here's, here's the message from the Lord. Take away from me this is the Lord, the word from the Lord. Take away from me the noise of your songs. Now I just said make a joyful noise to the Lord. Well, the noise they were making wasn't a joyful noise of the Lord, was it? Their heart was far from the Lord. So you see, was it pleasing to the Lord? No. What did he say? Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, 
but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. See, the Lord is not pleased with a worship that has not come from a pure heart. Uh, Anyone that sings just to be heard is only singing from a heart of pride. And again, there's many that that's sad to say. That's what they're doing from a heart of pride. Someone who sings with grace in their heart to the Lord is focused on the Lord. Regardless of the pitch, regardless of the timing, oh, it's, it's the one who is humbling themselves before the Lord and looking to Him. In Psalms 95 verse 6, O come, let us worship, let us bow down, humble ourselves before Him. Let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Come before Him. Speaking, I'm going to go back to that verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms, we, we sang a psalm uh, two different times today. Uh, and we know this will be primarily from the Old Testament. about Psalms 18.3? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. about Psalms 18 verse 46? The Lord liveth. Blessed be my rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. And you'll notice I took one verse from New King James and I took the other verse from King James because that's how I learned this song. So, so Donovan, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing it. So you're going to have to jump, jump back to that verse 3 in Psalms 18. And then uh, that's going to be like the first verse. And then we're going to jump to uh, verse 46. To, so back to uh, 18 verse 3. You know this? Can we can we do this? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. The Lord liveth And blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. I will call upon the Lord. Who is worthy to be praised? So shall I be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. The Lord liveth. And blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Speaking to one another in Psalms, and there's there's many, many more that, that can be sung. And hymns, and hymns. First we had psalms, then hymns, which I believe were primarily songs of praise that exalted the Lord. And these would have been, I, I don't know, different from the psalms or perhaps a, a working of the psalms together. And when I think think of hymns, uh, maybe 
Can we do the chorus? I don't did I put holy, holy, holy there? Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty All thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, songs that will look to the Lord, emphasizing testimony and spiritual truth uh, of what the Lord has done for us. We, we sang a song this morning that talked about, I will sing of my Redeemer, He who took the nails for me. I've been purchased, I've been pardoned. Bound to Him, I'm truly free. That talks about what the Lord has done for us on our, our behalf. I believe spiritual songs, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody. And again, the, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can look things up. And that Greek word used there is salt, salo. And it means to touch or strike the chord, to strum the strings of a musical instrument, to play on a stringed instrument, to to play the harp, to sing to the music of the harp. So it seems to me, again, it seems to me that the use of the word making melody suggests that in our praise and worship, there can be instruments. I know there are some people who they don't have instruments in their worship services, but in the book of Psalms, my goodness, we have we have cymbals and tambourines and horns and harps and, and a variety of other instruments. And I believe the thing to always remember, just like when we was talking about singing, let it be from the heart. If you play an instrument, play it from the heart of worship to God, because if all you're doing is playing that instrument, to be heard, to show off, to show how good you are. Is it worship? No, no, no. And then so, well, how do you choose? How do you choose? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, songs, how do you choose? Well, you pray, you seek the Lord, you read the lyrics, and and you try to find those that are biblically sound and have sound doctrine and clearly and accurately reflect the teaching of God's Word. And if you ever hear us sing a song that doesn't do that, you tell me. We'll get it out of, we'll we'll take it out of the computer and everything else. And as you come across other songs that, oh, here's a good one. Let me know about it. Oh, that we might add it in. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I want to do this. Let, let's go to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, the twentieth chapter, and we're going to take a couple examples of of singing and what singing can do and how the Lord will use singing. So Second Chronicles 20th chapter, I know at different times throughout the years I've gone to this story and used it for differing examples. This is Jehoshaphat. And, and this is where uh, Judah's on the brink of an invasion by a great uh, multitude of the Moabites, Ammonites, and others. And, and so uh, it looks like tragedy perhaps is going to come upon them. But Second Chronicles 20, let's read verses 3 and 4. 
And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. I love this, and, and I want you to think about this. There's an invading army at your doorstep. What does Jehoshaphat do? Does he, get the, does he call the generals? He call, does he call the ones that are heading up the army? No. What does he do? He seeks the Lord. He sets his face to seek God. He calls for fasting. A time to seek God's wisdom, guidance, and direction in hell. See, I hope I can always remember that. Don't you? That when faced with a certain situation, that, that perhaps our mind will take us to a worldly, try to take us to a worldly solution real quick because we know what's best, right? But rather would we seek the Lord and look to Him and if, if need be to fast, to pray. And so Jehoshaphat sets his face to seek the Lord and, and to uh, find guidance and direction and help. Let's drop down to verse 12, uh, 12 and 13. Oh, our God, will you not judge them, the, the, the invading armies, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. <laughs> that's, that's great stuff right there. Lord, we don't know what to do. But we will do this. We will fix our eyes on you. Have you had those moments over the last couple of weeks? Lord, what are we going to do? This didn't, this didn't go right. This didn't go our way. Well, what do we do? We set our eyes upon the Lord. We fast, we pray. We seek His face. Because His strength is perfect in the midst of all of it, isn't it? And as I was thinking about that that uh, that chorus to Stephen Curtis Chapman, I, uh, His strength is perfect, that chorus. His strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He'll carry us when we can't carry on. Raised in His power, the weak become strong. His strength is perfect. His strength is perfect. You know, the Apostle Paul said, well, when I am weak, then I am strong. What was he talking about? When he, when he realizes he's at the end of his rope, when he realizes this is far, what can we do? What can we do against this, this whatever circumstance of life it is? What can I do? I don't know what to do. Well, we seek the Lord because His strength is perfect. Perfect. When we humble ourselves before Him, when we are weak before Him, then he will lift us up in due time and be strong before him. And Jehoshaphat knew he needed the Lord. Uh, let's go to verses uh, 14 and 15, 2 Chronicles 20. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of 
Jeel and the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Does that apply to situations of life for us today? Oh, we we do everything that we believe the Lord is calling us to do. I, whenever I say that, don't don't think I say, "Well, just sit back, just sit back, just sit back, let go, let God." No, we hold on, we hold on, and go where the Lord is directing us. Do what He is asking us to do, and so we look to Him and, and not be afraid. The battle's not ours, but it's the Lord's. And look to Him to stand in the power of His might and His strength. And with him, uh, verses 16 through 19 now. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. There's this vast army. The Lord's telling you, here's where they're going to be coming. Go down. But you're not going to have to fight. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. That's great. But for every child of God, we can say in our heart, the Lord is with me. If God is for me, who can be against me? You see. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voice loud and high. They were praising, praising the Lord, praising God. See, see, the Korahites were the choir that David had appointed years before, and you can read that in First Chronicles six. This is the ones he had appointed as the singers, as the choir. Now let, let, let's go on. Let's go on. How important is obedience and the power of praise? Uh, verse twenty through twenty. I think we're going to end up going through twenty-three. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had counseled with the, consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Now who is leading the procession down to the armies that are coming? The singers are out front. The singers are out front. The choir is out front. Now, uh, verse 22, Now when they had begun to sing and, and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. 
For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. The Lord God caused a confusion upon them. They got mixed up of who they were coming against. And they fought against each other and, and utterly killed and destroyed one another. When did this all start? Now when they began to sing and to praise. That's when it started, wasn't it? Now when they began to sing and to praise, it was then at that moment the Lord set ambushes, I believe. They looked to the Lord, they trusted, they obeyed, because they, here's a, three big armies coming at them. And you got the choir up front. But the Lord moved. And His promises were true. You're not going to have to fight in this battle. How important is singing and praise? <laughs> See, when the Lord tells us what to do and we follow His direction and His instruction, oh, it is powerful, isn't it? See, at the sound of singing and praise to God, I believe the Lord caused that state of confusion and, and the opposing armies turned on one another. In verse 24, So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were their dead bodies fallen to the earth. No one had escaped. Imagine that. Not a single one. And then the, uh, we're going to drop down to verse 27. Uh, the next few verses there, you can re go back and read it yourself. It's just talking about how Judah gathered up the spoils of the battle of gold and all the valuable things. And, and there was so much of it, it took them three days to gather it up. And so, so they had gone from facing an insurmountable problem, it seemed, to walking away with an abundance of blessing. And now uh, verses 27 through 30 to end the story. Then they returned. Every man to Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest all around. See, isn't it amazing what the Lord will do? But there was peace. There was peace. The power of focused singing and praise. Hearts fully trusting and believing God in the face of insurmountable odds and, and tribulation or trial. Uh, let's go to Acts 16. You know this story. Uh, in, a, in a vision, Paul had heard a cry for help from a man in Macedonia. And along the journey, they encountered Lydia. Uh, the Lord opened her heart and she and her household were baptized. And, and then the next encounter after this, uh, it was the slave girl with the spirit of divination and, and Paul cast out the demon and, and what happened? It upset the owners. That was their money maker and upset them and, and because they were making money off this girl's fortune telling. And so what happened? They, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the magistrates. And I want to pick it up in Acts 16, verse 22 through 26. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. This is Paul and Silas. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. 
You see, they weren't going to get out. They were down deep. They were in the inner prison. Stripped, beaten, placed in the deepest, darkest part of the prison, chained with their feet fastened to stocks. They're in a foreign land, no advocate in the city hall, nothing that they could do, no place to turn. They lay all afternoon and into the night, and what was their response? You know the response. Let's read it, verse 25, 26. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. <laughs> and the prisoners were listening to them. Uh, now, what did we say earlier about what will happen when singing takes place? There will be admonishing. There will be all these other things that will take place. Others will hear. Others will be taught. Perhaps the Lord will open their eyes to see truth. Uh, uh, and at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons were sh prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. What a scene. What a scene. Uh, praying and singing. And we're not going to read any more of that story. You can go back and, and reread it yourself in Acts 16. But here is praying and singing, being filled with the Spirit, having a song in their hearts and upon their lips, even when things look bleak and hopeless. Do you see that? So I believe great and powerful things can happen if we continue to keep our song in our heart, don't you? If we continue to praise the Lord and keep our focus upward, even though the world rages all out of control around us. <laughs> what do we have in store in the weeks, months ahead? The Lord knows we don't. Lord, we don't know what to do. Trust Him. That's what we do. We trust Him. Even if the enemy lay their hand upon us, may we continue to pray and praise the Lord. Psalms 27, verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. See, even that our heads would be lifted up above our enemies, that we may see the Lord and trust his hand. In Psalms 59, verses 16 and 17, But I will sing of your power, yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense, a refuge in the day of trouble, to you, O oh my strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my God of mercy. So may we continue to offer to Him a sacrifice of praise. Now, I've said all that, and I want to ask, and I know I asked it earlier, is there times when our song may be silenced? Perhaps in moments of extreme suffering and trial, our songs, I believe, may be silenced for a moment. Because listen, uh, uh, I'm going to go into Psalms. Go to Psalms 137, the first four verses. You know, the, the this is the Jewish exiles. They're in Babylon. And remember, the, their captors were taunting them to sing a song. Come on, sing a song. Psalms 137, first four verses. By the rivers of Babylon... There we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps. They weren't playing their harps. They weren't singing. They were in sorrow, deep sorrow. When they considered Zion, they hung their harps. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. 
For there those who carried us away captive, the Babylonians, you see, ask of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth to be merry, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. What was the response? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? But the Lord will, in time, give him a song again, won't he? He will in time. And consider this. In Job, the second chapter, I just want to read two verses, 12 and 13. Remember Job's three friends as they were coming from afar and they see Job. Remember that? And it says, And when they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, didn't recognize Job, they lifted their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his grief was very great. Sometimes there's no words, is there? It's just to be still before the Lord. Paul said in Romans 12, verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Proverbs 25.20 counsels us not to force a song on a heavy heart. Now what you think about this one. Someone's in the midst of extreme sorrow. Don't force a song on them. Oh, come on, come on, let's sing. Oh, you encourage them in the Lord. You pray and do what the Lord is asking you to do. But what does it say? Like one who takes away a garment in cold weather and like vinegar on soda is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Sometimes you sit in silence. Sometimes you just weep along with perhaps those who are weeping. But in time, singing will return. Amen? In time. In time. Even if it's a song of lament, of sorrow, Because there's much to be learned from those, isn't there? Most of you know the story behind the hymn, It Is Well. Horatio Spafford lost three daughters at sea. And from the the story I read is when he was making that that crossing, that somewhere in the area where they said the, the ship went down that his daughters were on, he wrote this hymn. Do I have it there as well, just the first verse? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul it is well 
It is well with my soul. You see, for the true born-again believer, the child of God, we can always say, it is well with my soul. Regardless of what happens on this old earth, uh, this is all temporary anyway, right? This old body is only temporary. It's going to go back to the dust of the ground from where it came. And we're going to be transported away and to be in His presence. And we can say, it is well. It is well. You see, our the Lord will restore a song. And let me tell you this. If it's not on this side of glory, it will be there. Amen? And you know what? Did you know this? That God Himself is going to sing to you, child of God? Did you know that? Look at Zephaniah 3.17. I tell you, well, let's just read it up there. You may, <laughs> Zephaniah, you may be looking for it for a long time. I don't know. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Think about that. That's the Lord God. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Oh, what a, what a day that will be. Amen. What a day that will be. Well, there's another song coming to mind. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace, and He takes me by the hand, and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. Just a couple more verses. Isaiah 35, verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Oh, what a day. What a day. In Revelation 21, verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for their former things have passed away. Oh, what a day that will be. Amen. Amen. What other praise and singing will there be in heaven? Well, here's what John heard. Do I have Revelation 15 there? Verses 2 uh, we're going to go down through uh, through four, two through four. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God, harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? 
For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgment, for your judgment have been manifested, for your judgments have been manifested. Oh, what a day, what a time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just may we absorb your verse, the verses we've heard from your word today. May we be encouraged that though trials will come, we know they will. But you have a purpose for each and every one that crosses our path. You have a plan and a purpose. And should the trial be so extreme that for a moment we may lose our song, we know that in time you will give us that song again. And so Lord, help us all the more to trust You in the midst of all things. To know that for the children of God that it is well with their soul and one day we will stand before You and they will be singing in joy everlasting. So Lord, in the midst of the time we're here, help us to trust You. Help us to remember Your promises. Help us to sing songs, whether they be of lament or of great joy. And may we all learn as, as we would sing these songs and, and draw closer to You. So Father, you, you know what we need. And Lord, help us in the midst of it to say that we trust You. Help us through whatever we may face this week. Lord, You know. You, you already know. You know the beginning and the end. You know all things. But we don't. And so Lord, we must rely on You. We must trust You. So help us with whatever may cross our path to be found faithful to You. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.